you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey there, everybody. It is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we were never excused from practice uh, in any kind of form. Anyway, it's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. Randy Chavez is at the controls. Let me first start, though, by saying uh, you can sign up for NFL Fantasy. Get your league going today. It's free. It's fun. Go to NFL.com slash fantasy or download the app. Uh, Florio, it's not fantasy related, but Tom Brady is back in practice. Um, I, I know that you and I had fallen down a Reddit rabbit hole. Uh, it will never, it may be a while before we find out whether or not it's true, but, uh, we're wondering whether or not Tom Brady was sort of in costume over the last couple of weeks. 
you you cannot convince me that that is not where Tom Brady until the season of the show comes out and he's not on it. You cannot convince me that that is not what Tom Brady has been doing the last two weeks. Yeah, he was gone for 11 days from Bucks practice. Uh, in case you don't know what we're talking about, uh, the Reddit community uh, has come up with a theory that Tom Brady was away filming episodes of The Masked Singer. Um, the dates line up sort of perfectly. We'll never know because uh, the guests on that show are held to a high standard of secrecy. It is it is uh, top-level classified information who's under the masks there. So we'll find out uh, whether or not it was actually Tom it's, Brady there. He came back and said he was on vacay with his wife, which I don't know. I mean, I know, look, Florio, I know he's he's the GOAT. And you know, when you've been in the league as long as he has and have, have had as much success as he has, I know you get a lot of leeway, but I feel like vacation, I don't know. I feel like you have all offseason to do that. Yeah. That's feel, that seems weird to me. To me, that's a worse look than if he actually was filming The Masked Singer because at least then he's like, listen, I signed a contract. I'm trying to get this bag. I'm trying to please my future employers. If he's just on <laughs> vacation with his wife, I mean, I, I get it. Family time's important and stuff. I, I also went to the Bahamas with my wife. But I did it in the offseason, and that's where Tom Brady should have done it if that was the real reason. Exactly. I mean, you had from, what, January till July to plan a Bahamas vacation. I feel like, you know, Tom Brady, if he gets on the phone or Giselle Bunching gets on the phone and is like, hey, we want to book a suite for the Atlantis. Like, I feel like they'd make room for those folks. You know, like, I'm, I'm sure they can go whenever also, they Also, when, when he came out of retirement, the narrative was, oh, he spent a month with his family, and now he's all dedicated <laughs> to football again. So now you're telling me he spent a couple of weeks at training camp, and he was like, I, I got to get back to my family. <laughs> man, I really miss my family again. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, all right. We got plenty to talk about. Uh, well, I should probably talk some more Brady later on in the week because we'll get to the NFC South uh, fantasy preview. But today is the NFC East fantasy preview, so we'll go through those four teams there um but let's start with some news headlines the big one uh, since the last time we did a podcast uh, we now have official resolution to the deshaun watson suspension story uh it has been updated he's been suspended of course you probably know this by now 11 games uh fined five million dollars that was thanks to a settlement between the league and the players association so we know now what the punishment is going to be for Deshaun Watson, uh, yeah, obviously plenty has been said about it. You know, I think in some ways he's very – he should consider himself extremely fortunate to be where it was. I mean, I think we all thought six was going to be too little. I think we all kind of were leaning toward it being a full year. So the fact that it lands somewhere in between, I think uh, you know, Deshaun should consider himself fortunate. The Browns should consider themselves fortunate. Uh, we'll see what this means for discipline in the league going forward. That's neither here nor there because this is a fantasy football podcast. So always that weird transition from real life stuff to fantasy football stuff. Knowing what we know now about Deshaun Watson and his punishment, uh, you know, let's let's look at some of the other guys around him on this roster. The other guys of note, fantasy wise, starting with Amari Cooper. Uh, where are you comfortable drafting him? How do you value him now? I have Amari Cooper as like a low-end wide receiver three, so like a borderline top 36 wide receiver for me. And to be honest, Marcus, I'm not really interested in drafting him. I, I think he'll be one of those guys that he'll be better. Like he'll finish in total points as like a top 30 wide receiver, but that'll be because of like volume. I think week to week, he's going to be very frustrating. There might be, you know, a game or two where he catches a long touchdown or something like that, but 
I think this is going to be one of those situations similar to like Ezekiel Elliott last year, right? Like, like he finished as a top 10 running back, but we all can tell you if you had him on your roster, he was not that good, not a top 10 caliber talent all year long. I think Amari Cooper is going to be uh, that kind of caliber receiver this year where volume gives him a better finish, uh, but it's going to be really frustrating to have him on your team. It feels like sort of the early years of Amari Cooper's career with with the Raiders uh, and then you know, maybe that year or so with, with the Cowboys where overall the numbers would look good, but you start to break it down, as you mentioned, on a week-to-week basis. And he would have a game where he gets you 30 points and then he follows that up with a game where it's six. Uh, and I, I feel like that might be the case, especially knowing that he's going to have 11 games of Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Brissett's not a guy who traditionally... Uh, has done a lot to boost his wide receivers fantasy-wise. Obviously, we're not drafting Jacoby Brissett uh, pretty much in any format, but I think, you know, I I don't expect him to do much to boost uh, Amari Cooper's fantasy production in any sort of way. Uh, You know, he's a guy that I've been saying I'm just staying away from because I didn't really want any parts of it. That was even when the the Watson situation was unsettled. But even now that we know that, I think you're right. I think his his ceiling right now is probably a wide receiver three. I just think the volatility is enough that I don't I don't really want to deal with that at all. Also, he's the only Browns receiver that I think I would even consider. Uh, and if I said I'm I'm off of him, then I'm definitely off of of everybody else. That gets us to Nick Chubb. And I know that you know the idea of Deshaun Watson being there and his ability to run with the football. Uh, maybe made us a little bit leery about Nick Chubb. Now knowing that it's Brissett again for at least 11 games, um, do we feel better about drafting Nick Chubb? I I think you should. I I haven't really bumped him up too high uh, in my rankings because of this. I still think he should go anywhere from like RB 11 to 15. I I like him better as like your second running back. Uh, we, We know the upside he has. Uh, on any given play, he could take it the distance. I, I think he's one of the best pure runners in the NFL. The only issue is uh, with the receptions. And right now, Kareem Hunt is still on the roster. So I still think Kareem Hunt is going to get a lot of those targets. And Jacoby Brissett is probably not going to throw the ball to the running backs nearly as much as uh, as Baker Mayfield did. Just at least in play style, he's someone that uh, when there's pressure there, he can avoid it and, and use his legs to pick up yards himself. Whereas Baker, I think, was more of a dump off to the running back kind of quarterback. Uh, I, I, I think you could feel more comfortable about the floor for Nick Chubb because I expect a lot of rushing attempts for him. Uh, but I still think the ceiling, you can make the case, is, is lower with Jacoby Brissett than anyone because teams are probably just going to load the box against Nick Chubb. That's probably true. I think if anything works in Chubb's favor, it's that when you look – Year over year, he's consistently among the best when it comes to rush yards over expectation and yards after contact. He's a physical runner who, as you mentioned, I think in terms of just pure running backs in the league, uh, ranks incredibly highly. I mean, you you might be able to make a case that he's maybe the best straight up pure running back in the NFL. But the fact that, as you you mentioned, people aren't. People are going to force Brissett to, to beat them. They're not going to let Nick Chubb be the guy who beats them. So that means he may see a lot more loaded boxes this year. The other part of this is, um, you know, what does this mean for the Browns in terms of game scripts too, right? Uh, are they going to be, you know, where will they be late in games? Will they be tied? Will they be trailing? Um, how is this going to impact what they do offensively? Could it be that if they find themselves behind consistently, we see more Kareem Hunt on the field as they are in, in hurry-up mode and trying to catch up? Uh, I think that's sort of something to keep in mind. I, I still, you know, I still think 
Chubb is worth being drafted as a top 10, certainly a top 12 running back. But I just think there are there are a lot more caveats now uh, with Brissett there as opposed to to having Deshaun Watson there. Look, there, there were I think there, there were worries on either side. There's just a different set of worries, I guess, <laughs> depending on on who the quarterback is going to be. Um, as for Watson himself, leaving aside any, uh, you know, moral or ethical concerns you may have about him. And you know, I, I get it. If you decide you don't want Deshaun Watson on your football team, uh, I completely understand that. And I, I will not fault you for that. I feel like you draft players you want to enjoy watching because it's a fun game. So, so you go about that. But if you are of a mind to have him on your fantasy roster this year, would you consider a draft and stash knowing you're going to have to wait, you know, three months basically to, to get him back? I would not be taking Deshaun Watson. Uh, I understand you could get him as a discount and you're looking at it like, hey, I have a potential top five, top ten quarterback once he returns. But do you? I mean, this is a guy who at that point, it's going to be two, nearly two full seasons since we've seen him play uh meaningful NFL snaps in the preseason the little bit of action he saw in the preseason he looked bad uh, I mean yes he he looked like a player who hadn't played football in well over a year uh his throws were, were off the mark uh he it just everything he just looked uncomfortable out there so I don't think you'll be able to start him week one not well week one for him week 13 against the, the Houston Texans at that point and then then it's fantasy playoff time. I, I I personally would not be comfortable just slotting this guy in my lineup, no matter how talented he is, especially when you consider that quarterback is the deepest position in fantasy football. It's not like this is like Travis Kelsey and tight end is, is gross and you're like, hey, I'll take my shots with him. You can get – you're still going to have another good option on your roster at quarterback. So for me, I, I wouldn't be drafting and stashing Deshaun Watson. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. I just think there's, like you said, there's there are too many other options there. Plus, look how there aren't a lot of roster formats that give you the freedom to just hold on to a guy for 12 weeks, uh, essentially waiting for him to come back. I mean, like he's not eligible, I would imagine, for an IR spot because he's not injured; he's suspended. Um, and so I I feel like you know there are better ways to use that spot. Um, and you know, as you mentioned, the rust factor is real. I mean, he hasn't played football in quite a while, and what we've seen from him so far this preseason hasn't been particularly inspiring. So, uh, I would imagine Deshaun Watson will end up uh, kind of languishing on waiver wires for a long time. Uh, that being said, I know the moment he comes back, I'm sure there are there will be people who add him to their rosters. Uh, I just I just won't be one of them for any number of reasons. Um. We can pivot now from the current Browns quarterback to the former Browns quarterback. Uh, when I put this rundown together on uh, Sunday mid-morning, uh, at that time, Matt Rule still hadn't announced a starter. Then we get to Monday morning, and he has. It's Baker Mayfield, which maybe is not a huge surprise. I think from the moment the Panthers traded for him, I think the assumption was he was going to take the starting job, but he was in a camp battle with Sam Darnold. So now that we know this uh, – the question, as I have it written, is how much of an impact will this have on how you draft any Panthers? But I guess it's better asked as, did you always believe Mayfield was going to be the starter? And so has this changed anything for you? Uh, I've always, ever since they've acquired him, I believe that he was going to be their starter. Uh, my, my rankings of them reflected that. So nothing has changed since uh, since this announcement came out. I think all it gives you 
is a little bit more peace of mind if you're taking Christian McCaffrey, a DJ Moore, or even a, maybe a Robbie Anderson, something like that, uh, because it's not hanging over, oh, maybe they, they just like Sam Darnold or something like that. I mean, we know who Sam Darnold is at this point. I, I, Baker Mayfield's been better than Donald every year. I would say that they've been in the NFL and that includes last year where Baker was very banged up. Uh, I, I think him starting, obviously we know the upside Christian McCaffrey has, but I, I think this is the best you can feel about taking DJ Moore in quite some time because he had a broken down cam two years ago. He had Sam Darnold last year. I, I feel confident in saying Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than, than what DJ Moore has played with the last two seasons. For DJ Moore, I mean, I know people love him. I, I see plenty of love for <laughs> DJ Moore in my timeline all the time. And, and like, I don't, I, I look at him and I, I see a guy who every year he's, you know, around 1,100 yards, you know, maybe getting close to 1,200. The touchdown upside has just never been there for him, right? He's three, three years in a row with four receiving touchdowns. You're right. The quarterback situation is better for him this year. Uh, but, I mean, at this point, is he is it that he is who he is? Like, I, I look at him and I, I see another year with, you know, say 70, 75 catches, uh, 1,100 yards, three to five touchdowns again. Like, I mean, it's not bad. I guess I, I, I'm i talking myself in circles right now because I'm still trying to work out my feelings about DJ Moore. Like, I, I know I feel this way sort of about Brandon Cooks, too. And I'm like, he's a really good receiver, regardless of, of quarterback situation. And he gives you steady numbers all the time. I guess I should apply that to DJ Moore, right? I mean, that, that seems fair, right? Yeah, the only concern I have with DJ Moore is exactly the same concern that you have with DJ. Like, the touchdowns. Like, this is a guy who's been scoring four touchdowns every year. And, and as you were talking, Marcus, I was like, let me look up what Baker Mayfield's receivers have done touchdown-wise in his career. So far, I've, I've looked at each of the, the last three seasons. The highest any receiver has is six. So I, I, I like DJ Moore. I, I think he's a really good talent. I, I think the upside for him to be top 10 is there. But I think if you're drafting him as that, and I'm not, but I've seen other people talk about him as a wide receiver one, I think you're paying for the ceiling because I don't think DJ Moore is suddenly going to be a guy, Marcus, who catches 10, 12 touchdowns, something like that. If he makes a jump to, to six to eight, I, I think that would be a really strong jump for him. So I, I still prefer him as a wide receiver too. Uh, but because of all the hype around him, I, I don't really have much of DJ Moore this year. And maybe that's a mistake, but it's one that I'm willing to live with because I just think that people are drafting him at his ceiling if you're taking him that high. I guess that's where my unease has come in with DJ Moore because the hype suggests that he is ready to make that leap into being a solid wide receiver one, a top 10 guy. And I just I just don't see it. If we're talking about him as a wide receiver, too, I am totally on board. But it just it feels like the hype has been more than that. And I just don't I don't see where it's coming from in an offense that should be better than it was last year. But I still don't think it's going to be great. Um, other quick question. Would, would you draft Robbie Anderson at all this year? No, uh, I, I've taken some shots on him. You're going to love this, Marcus, in best ball. Yeah, like a 17th round guy in best ball who could catch a long ball or something like that. And in like a 15 round redraft where you got to draft like a defense and a kicker. Like we had a draft last night like that. Robbie Anderson was not even on my radar. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe he's maybe he's going to trick somebody by changing his name to IE, changing the spelling. And somebody's like, hey, it's a new guy. But, uh, I, you know. He said he changed it because it looks cool. I'm like, this this guy is wild. All right. I mean, <laughs> hey, man, I feel like 
when he's all said and done, like his two career highlights will be changing his name because it looks cool and the whole Sir Purr. Uh, the whole oh, yeah. incident. <laughs> that'll be what we remember Robbie Anderson for uh, last bit of news down in Miami uh, reports are that Mike Gasicki has been quote less a focal point of the offense so far this offseason um, he did play deep into the preseason game over the weekend I, I know Mike he's one of those guys I always say that he's sort of the poster child for just kind of those mid-tier kind of meh you take him because the clock's running down and you don't really know what else to do sort of tight ends but if it really is that he's less of a focal point in this offense does this mean we should just stop drafting Mike Gesicki I I think so I I have not been drafting Mike Gesicki this year like I I know uh we both like Irv Smith Cole Komet Albert O like Gerald Everett those are all players that I have ranked ahead of Mike Gesicki um, I, even Evan Ingram is one that I go back and forth on because my my fear with Kaseki is he's been the last couple of years basically playing wide receiver, lining up in the slot all the time. The Dolphins brought in Tyreek Hill. They already have Jalen Waddle. They brought in Cedric Wilson. All three of those guys operate out of the slot. Uh, they could play out wide as well, but even Kaseki said it himself. He's like, I'm kind of learning how to play the tight end position. That's why I'm getting so many snaps in the preseason. I have concerns that you know how important the blocking tight end is in this 49ers type system. If if he just can't get it down, could we see some other tight end, you know, kind of take his snaps away and then Gasecki's used on like obvious passing situations? I, I could envision for me, I think it's more realistic that we see a world where Gasecki is on waiver wires than he's like a weekly guy that you start each every week. He was a guy who sort of made his living last year in fantasy, really on volume. He only had two touchdowns, but 112 targets. And that feels impossible this year. When you go out and you get a guy like Tyreek Hill, you mentioned how much they like Jalen Waddle. They bring in Cedric Wilson. Um, you know, Chase Edmonds is going to get his targets out of the backfield. I mean, th- the idea that Mike Gasicki is going to anywhere approach 100 targets feels just nearly impossible. So if he's not getting that level of targets, he obviously is not going to get the same number of receptions uh, unless he somehow, you know, has a, a Dawson Knox like touchdown season. I don't know how he how he maintains any sort of fantasy value. And you talk about the uh, the blocking tight end situation there in, in a Mike McDaniel's offense. Um, you know, I, look, it, it in some ways, as great as George Kittle has been, the fact that he is also kind of a de facto offensive lineman in San Francisco has sort of capped what e- could be even greater production for him. Um, and that's in an offense that you felt a lot better about than you do in Miami. So I think at this point I, I was – I was already kind of off Mike Gasicki. I think this is this is sort of uh, put a cap on that, and I think I'm I'm done with the Gasicki experiment at tight end. There are there's too many other places to go with a lot more upside uh, than you can find out of out of what you're going to get from the uh, the Miami tight end this year. All right, so that's our news headlines. Uh, let us pivot to our preview of the NFC East. If you have been listening to the previous shows, you know how this goes. Uh, we will go in order of last year's division finish, which starts us. With the Dallas Cowboys, 12 and 5 last year, Dak Prescott, uh, 400 or 4,449 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks. He was the QB7. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, just over 1,000 yards rushing, 10 rushing touchdowns, the RB7. And CD Lamb, 79 catches, uh, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. He was the wide receiver, 19. Um, Mike, we have talked a lot 
about Ezekiel Elliott. He has been he has been a central focus of conversation for fantasy Twitter for a good chunk of the summer. So now here we are, nearing the end of the preseason, uh, just a little ways away from games that count for real starting. I know that you were not big on Ezekiel Elliott. I know you have started to maybe change your mind about that. So here we go. Final answer. When is the earliest you would draft Zeke? I would take him in the fourth round, um, but on one condition. Travis Etienne and Brees Hall would need to be off the board already. I, I have moved those guys. I think they have higher upside, um, but it, it all depends on the team build, right? I can't take him in the third round because I'm probably going to take Kyle Pitts or one of those other running backs or a receiver, something like that. But if I need a running back and I'm sitting there in the fourth round and Etienne and Brees Hall are gone, I'm likely to take Ezekiel Elliott because at that point, I think he'll be kind of similar to what he was last year, right? Like he he won't be, I don't think, a top seven running back weekly, but he'll probably finish top 10 on volume alone if he stays healthy. And I will even admit he he was definitely better before the knee injury last year. So there's there still is reason for optimism there. Um, I, I've kind of met in the middle. I went from not drafting him at all to kind of being so-so <laughs> on him. I think I could take him in the third round. And you mentioned the draft that we were in last night. He went, I think, early third round in that when it was a 14-team league. Um, I started with a pair of wide receivers. And if if by some weirdness uh, he had fallen, and I was in, the I think, the ninth slot, uh, if he had fallen to the ninth slot in the third round, I definitely would have taken him. He was gone, so it wasn't an issue for me. I just, I'm just sort of going by what everyone in Dallas is saying, that they still want him to be the workhorse, that as much as you know, fantasy Twitter loves Tony Pollard and, and wants to give him a gold jacket already and put him in the <laughs> Cowboy ring of honor, um, the Cowboys themselves have talked about you know trying to make him a slot receiver occasionally just to get him on the field. So that means this backfield still really belongs to Zeke. And yes, he was not great at times last year. Yes, he was banged up last year. But this is a guy that you can still pencil in for 280 290 touches per season when you look at his carries and the targets and the receptions he's going to get we want guys who get that kind of volume and it's hard to find and and i think when he's healthy and he's right i still think he has really good upside he does have that rb1 that top 10 upside and so i you know i, I know we we want to we want to kick dirt on these guys especially once they get older and they take a few hits and what have you and i know that his contract is an albatross around the cowboys that's got nothing to do with my fantasy team. Like, I don't have to pay Ezekiel Elliott a dime. So I don't really care <laughs> what Jerry Jones is, is writing him for checks. Um, so I, I, I don't know. And maybe this is me sort of being contrarian because the whole rest of the world seems to have moved on from Zeke. And I'm over here screaming like he's not done yet. So this could just be me sort of being contrarian. But I really do feel like at this point I'm higher on Zeke than a lot of other people. Uh, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll, we could get to we could get to January, and I could look like an idiot. Um, but this or is kind of where I stand. Genius. I'm okay. I, and I think, like on that team you were saying yesterday, if you start like wide receiver, wide receiver, and Zeke's there in the late third, I, I think that's a fine pick because you're like, this is a guy that I I know I can start every week. This is a guy that I I know is going to get 15 to 20 touches, something like that. Uh, I, I think that like it, it all to me, it depends on your team build. Like if I had an R. Already, maybe I'd be more inclined to go with the receiver. But I like if you took him there yesterday, I you would have no issues for me. All right. Um, 
yeah, that I think that that has been one of the interesting conversations in the off season. I think we we've, we've probably beaten it to death, but I figured this one <laughs> it was one last one last hit. It's like you know, it's like office space, man. Michael Bolton getting one last shot on the copier before they uh, they pull well, him away. We're gonna miss Zeke when he's gone, though. I'll, we I'll are gonna miss that. Zeke. We absolutely are gonna miss Zeke when he's gone. Uh, all right. So I talked about the fact that I took two wide receivers uh, in the first two rounds of that draft. Um, I, I started uh, with Jamar Chase. I came back around and I got C.D. Lamb in the second oh. round. Uh, there's a lot of excitement about C.D. Lamb this year. I think you know, with Amari Cooper gone, there's the thought that he really makes that big leap. For you, what's the highest possible finish you can imagine for Lamb this year? This might sound like a hot take, but I think he could finish as the best wide receiver in fantasy football. Ooh. And I, I, to me... That start that you have is is amazing, by the way, uh, Chase, <laughs> Chase and Lamb. Um, we talent has never been the question with CD Lamb. We we know he can be a downfield receiver. We know he's great in, in the red and in the end zone. Uh, and the only questions I think that he had the last couple of years was was he going to see enough volume to finish as highly as we would have liked. And, and I've been very bullish on CD Lamb since he's entered the league. And this year, at first, I was like. Uh, I don't know where. And then they got rid of Cooper and, and they did nothing to bring to replace him except for draft Jalen Tolbert pretty much. And, and they lost Cedric Wilson too. like there's so many vacated targets right now that CD Lamb could easily lead the NFL in targets this year. And, and he's going to get more usage in, in the red zone and, and those high valuable targets. So I have him ranked as the sixth best wide receiver. I think there's five guys who I like their chances better of finishing as the top fantasy receiver but i think cd lamb deserves to be in that uh in that group i mean i definitely think he he deserves to be in that group for me i i see i think the absolute ceiling for him is a top three finish i don't i'm not willing to go all the way number one i still think justin jefferson's in that conversation i don't think you can count out cooper cup jamar chase is there but i do think because of the opportunity in front of him especially in the early part of the season you know as other guys are working in michael gallup is still working his way back from injury um they're going to be targets galore. Um, you know, and if, look, if you believe Jerry Jones, uh, who always always has something to say, usually praising his team, he's saying Dak Prescott's having the best camp he's ever seen uh, as a Cowboy, yeah, since Dak's been a Cowboy, I should say. Um, uh, if Dak has that kind of success in the regular season, a lot of it's probably going to be because he's leaning on C.D. Lamb. So, uh, you know, we always knew that there was this potential there. That was the reason he was, you know, we're talking about him as a high dynasty draft pick the moment he was drafted. I thought he had a very good rookie season. Now uh, it seems like all the obstacles are out of his way. So I, I'm expecting really big things from C.D. Lamb. I think he's going to be great this year. Uh, all right, so that gets us to our, our staple in these uh, these segments. First cowboy you would draft, uh, a cowboy sleeper, and a cowboy's player to avoid. First player would be CeeDee Lamb. I, I think he deserves to go late first, early second round. Uh, sleeper, I, I mentioned him, but Jalen Tolbert, he, he's a third-round pick they, they used at the receiver. Really the only guy of note that they brought in after losing Wilson and Amari Cooper. So I think there could be volume there, especially early on, because – my player to avoid is Michael Gallup. Uh, he has been falling down draft boards lately, um, but he's from the start someone that I, I have been completely out on. January, torn ACL. A, a lot of studies say that like the soonest he can really get back to football activities is September. I would not be surprised if we don't see really much of all of Michael Gallup this season uh, as he continues to recover for next year. So I like Jalen Tolbert, but 
the Cowboys Marcus are one of these teams that I feel like most of their players are appropriately priced in fantasy. Yeah, I think so. And that's why I think I think my answers mirror yours exactly. I mean, CD Lamb's the first guy off the board, even though, I, like I said, I'm, I know I'm higher on Zeke than a lot of people, but I still would take CD Lamb earlier. Uh, Jalen Tobert is probably the sleeper just because of, look, there's no one else that that you feel like is going to sneak up on people, right? I mean, yeah. everybody everybody likes Dalton Schultz. He's not a sleeper there. Tony Pollard, like I said, he's uh, you know he's his name's going to be hanging up there next to Roger Staubach sometime soon <laughs> if you uh, if you judge by fantasy Twitter, uh, you know. So he's not sneaking up on anybody. So you got you got Tolbert there, and uh, our our pal Hyphen Kalani might be shocked to hear me say this. I I am finally off the Michael Gallup train. He has given me. Hytham's uh, given me a hard time for the last few years for still trying to uh, to make fetch happen with Gallup, um, but I don't I don't know that it's going to happen this year uh, just because he's still he's still trying to get healthy right now, and I think at this point we've sort of kind of seen who Michael Gallup is. It just you know I think unfortunately the stars never quite aligned for him to be that big breakout star that we thought he could be, and I think coming off a, a major injury, I don't know that it's going to happen. Uh, for him this year so i am uh i'm finally off the the michael gallup train yeah happy hytham it finally happened until next year then we'll until be next back. year right there's something you know what something's gonna happen we're gonna get like a <laughs> you know what he's gonna go to a new team next year or something uh you know we'll get these glowing training camp reports and i'm back in it'll happen <laughs> i know and I, I, I totally see how it's gonna happen uh all right uh, we've talked a lot. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We will go through the rest of the NFC East. That's next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it off? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard, and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. On to the Philadelphia Eagles. They were 9-8 and eight last year, lost in the wild card round. They had a, a rough go against the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, last year in the playoffs. But your passing leader, Jalen Hurts, he of the just almost locked in 20 fantasy points per game, it felt like. Uh, just over 3,100 passing yards, 16 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. He was the QB9. He was the QB9 mostly because he was also Philly's leading rusher, 784 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, which is a really, really big number uh, for anybody, but especially for a quarterback. Uh, their leading receiver, Devontae Smith, 64 catches, 916 yards, five receiving touchdowns. That made him the wide receiver 30. So as I was going through you know, Philly's numbers last year and what I could expect from them this year, yeah, obviously people are excited about A.J. Brown coming over. Uh, we like Devonte Smith. I think he's a good secondary receiver in that offense. People like Dallas Goddard. People like Jalen Hurts, but we like Jalen Hurts mostly because he runs the football. And it just lead me. It led me to wonder: Is there enough passing volume to sustain three pass catchers? When we know AJ Brown is the alpha, we know Dallas Goddard is going to get his opportunities. I mean, is there enough for Devonte Smith to eat enough that we are going to feel confident drafting him? I don't think so. Um, and, and to be honest, I've kind of at cost, I've let other people take any of the three Eagles pass catchers like AJ Brown is an alpha, like you said. But the issue is he goes around and drafts with other alphas on teams that I feel more confident uh, will sustain, you know, multiple pass catchers. I, I think AJ Brown will see a good amount of volume. I think it could be week to week with Devonta Smith and, and uh, Dallas Goddard. I think because Goddard is a tight end, I'm more willing to draft him than I am Smith. But the people who who look at this and say, like, well, look at what Philly did in the first six weeks last year. They want to throw the ball more. It's like, well, they completely abandoned that game plan, <laughs> ran the ball more than anyone, went on a huge run and made the playoffs. So are, are we very confident of that? I, I don't think A.J. Brown means they want to go back to passing as heavy as they did. I think it means they want to be a little bit more balanced, and they want, when they do throw the ball, for it to be easier on Jalen Hurts, similar to – uh what we saw a couple of years ago out of the Ravens, like they brought in pass catchers. They didn't abandon their run and, and their style of play. It just makes it easier on the quarterback when you do throw the ball. So for me, I, I, I like this Philly team. I think they're going to be really fun in real life. AJ Brown brings all that swag and stuff, but I, I've kind of let other people draft all three of these guys and it, it might come back to haunt me, but I'm going to get their production baked into Jalen Hurts. Uh, yeah, I think that's sort of the way a lot of people, I think, are drafting this team where, you know, Hertz is going to get his. I like A.J. Brown. I think you know, I think we had the question on Fantasy Live last week. Is he being overdrafted or underdrafted at, at wide receiver 11? And I'm like, I don't know, that, that feels about right. I mean, I feel like a top 12 finish is in the range of outcomes for A.J. Brown. So I, I'm OK with that. And so I think he gets his. 
and it's a battle week to week to see, as you mentioned, is it going to be Goddard? Is it going to be Smith? Uh, you know, knowing that you know every now and then we may have the who knows we may have the Quez Watkins week thrown in there somewhere every once in a while. Jalen Rager is gonna, yeah. is going to disrupt people's fantasy seasons. I think. I know. I just remember, you know, his rookie <laughs> year. I I bought in. You know, I heard I heard all these stories that he, you know, that no one in camp could cover Jalen Rager, and he was like going to be a thing. And like, I look. I would say I have swung and missed on Eagles wide receivers, but then if it makes me feel any better, the Eagles have swung and missed on <laughs> Eagles wide receivers, right? Like I swung and missed on Jalen Rager. I spent two years trying to convince myself that JJ Ortega Whiteside was like a deep sleeper somewhere, and now he's playing tight end somewhere else. So Seattle's uh, Seattle. hyping him up now. So. Yeah, yeah, you know Seattle, <laughs> like the, the Seahawks social media is doing like hype videos about Jaw. So like. Uh, so I got it wrong, but then, you know, so did the Eagles. So I guess that makes me feel better. Uh, I just, I think for me, the only, the only pass catcher I have any real consistent week to week faith in is going to be AJ Brown. Uh, and so for that reason, he's kind of the only guy that I really have drafted, uh, for, from Philadelphia's roster, um, which sort of begs the next question, right? We Jalen hurts runs the football effectively. That's part of why we love him. The rest is sort of a mess. Miles Sanders has been banged up, has missed a ton of practice with a, a hamstring injury. Uh, they're sort of taking it, taking it slow with him, getting him back into action. How are you approaching the Eagles' backfield, if at all? I'm fading Miles Sanders hard. Like I don't, I've drafted a lot of teams already. If you can count best ball, I don't believe I have Miles Sanders on any of them. Mm. And then I'll, I'll take a deeper shot on Kenny Gainwell, who is going deeper in drafts. You could get him in like the double-digit rounds. He looks really good in preseason, and I, I just think he brings more to the table than a Miles Sanders who's a more traditional running back. Gainwell can keep teams guessing because he is an effective runner. He, he has even been effective near the goal line in the little bit that we've seen him in the NFL. But you never know, is he going to run a, bat, a, a route out of the backfield or anything like that? So much like what, like, Obviously, he's not at the level of like a Christian McCaffrey or an Austin Eckler. But the fact that what those guys do and make the, the offense so unpredictable when they're out there, I think Kenny Gainwell can do that. And he's much cheaper to get. So I'll gladly take a shot on him and not Miles Sanders, who I mean, Devin Singletary feels bad for Miles Sanders. That's how little <laughs> they let him score touchdowns. Uh, last year, I think, was the year I finally let go of the rope on Miles Sanders. I mean, he was a guy that I, I really loved. I, you know, I know I wasn't alone. I know a lot of fantasy Twitter wanted him to get more opportunities to be a bigger part of the, the Philadelphia offense. But, you know, here we are entering year four. And the one thing the Eagles seem to consistently be saying to us is that, we don't love Miles Sanders as a just a pure RB1 the way the rest of you do. Um, you know, they, they keep finding other players to work in there. They, they keep kind of using him. He's he's sort of a starter, but kind of in name only. I mean, he's not he's not anything close to being a three down back. He's very much a platoon guy. So I think last year just it, it got to the point for me, especially because what he didn't have a single touchdown at all last year. Um it, it just became too frustrating. And so I, I'm completely out on Miles Sanders. I don't love any of the other guys enough uh, to draft them. Um, yeah, this is a weird offense, man. It's it's Jalen Hurts. It's A.J. Brown. And then, you know, maybe you talk yourself into somebody else. Uh, but there's just not a lot that, that it gets me excited, which is going to make this next section really interesting when we talk about the first player to draft, uh, the sleeper, and the, the player to avoid. I, I have a sneaking suspicion we may have the same names for, for these as well. 
Yeah, the the first player drafted, I, I said I'm not heavily targeting him, but I will admit A.J. Brown 100% deserves to be the first player drafted. If not him, then I think you wait until Jalen Hurts. I, I really <laughs> wouldn't want many Eagles in between there. Sleeper, for me, it's Kenneth Gainwell uh, for all the reasons I, I just said. Player to avoid, I mean, Miles Sanders, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. This is one of those offenses, Marcus, that I I like. I think it'll be better in real life, and there's a lot of real-life talent there, but it's just so uncertain for fantasy that I just don't want to deal with the headache. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. A.J. Brown's my first guy drafted, uh, which, again, is another – this is another strike in the column of, hey, we got to change quarterback scoring, right? If Jalen Hurts – Jalen Hurts is probably the best fantasy option on this team – but he's far from being the first fantasy option drafted, right? We're, we're drafting A.J. Brown. I mean, if you are of a mind to draft Miles Sanders, you're probably drafting him before you're drafting Jalen Hurts. I don't know. Maybe they're around the same spot. But um, he is by far the best fantasy option, but he is definitely not the first player that, that we're drafting. Uh, I guess, yeah, for Sleeper, it's, it's probably Kenneth Gainwell. I, I don't know. I guess when they play the Giants, you can make a case for Boston Scott because he seems to be a notorious <laughs> New York Giant killer. Uh, but for the other 15 games uh, that are on the schedule for the Eagles, maybe it's it's Kenneth Gainwell there. And uh, I am avoiding Miles Sanders um, just because you know he's it's it's been so inconsistent with the usage, and now this this nagging hamstring injury sort of makes me even more wary of drafting him. Um, so probably staying away, and maybe Devonte Smith, which makes me sad because I I really loved him last year. Same. Um, you know, but but AJ Brown is gonna definitely impact uh, what whatever production, what kind of target share he's gonna get. So I'm not I'm not nearly as excited about him uh, this year as I was a year ago. All right, over to the Washington. Well, last year they were the Washington Football Team. This year they are the Washington Commanders. Uh, it feels like all the news they have made this offseason has not been for football and generally has not been good. But that doesn't have anything to do with us. Uh, last year they were seven and ten. Taylor Heineke. Uh, was your leading passer, 3,419 yards, 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, the QB 19, which uh, surprised me. Uh, Antonio Gibson, your leading rusher, just over 1,000 yards on the ground, seven rushing touchdowns, the RB 10. And no surprise, your leading receiver, Terry McLaurin, 77 catches, 1,053 yards, five receiving touchdowns, the wide receiver, 25. Um. As much as we've talked about Ezekiel Elliott and, and his you know, fluctuations in ADP and how people feel about him, uh, Antonio Gibson has been a fantasy mover just in the wrong direction. It feels like all the stories about Antonio Gibson have been negative this preseason uh, and maybe sort of hit rock bottom for us when the report came out that he was working with the punt team. Then uh, he was playing you know, with the twos in a preseason game. Uh, playing with Taylor Heineke on the field. I know that some people have sort of tried to say that, hey, maybe this was just, you know, a preseason punishment for fumbling in a preseason game, and maybe we shouldn't read too much into it, and we've all lost our minds, and people are going to be sorry, you know, in midseason when Antonio Gibson's doing big things. Maybe. Uh, I'm just trying to read the tea leaves. As for you, when you're reading the tea leaves, how do you feel about Antonio Gibson? Not great. Um, and... and <laughs> For people who, you know, aren't watching every snap in preseason like we are, Marcus, like, yeah, last week he fumbled. Then we saw Brian Robinson come in, play really well. We didn't see Gibson again until he uh, played with the twos. 
Then all week he's fielding punts, like you said. He's practicing with the twos. And then preseason starts. The, the second week starts. Brian Robinson gets the start, gets all of the early down work with the starters, looks good doing so, um, and, and even getting, get, getting catches out of the backfield. Antonio Gibson's playing the third down role there. And some people were like, this is more meaningful because he's going to take that role. And I'm like, well, no, he's not. He's playing this because J.D. McKissick is inactive because J.D. McKissick already has this role on lock. Like, they don't need to see anything more out of him there. And then when Brian Robinson got got uh, taken out of the game with Wentz and the other starters, Gibson played with the twos getting actual running back work. So what this tells me is that Gibson right now is is the backup in what is a legit competition. And I haven't been interested in drafting Antonio Gibson in the sixth, seventh round. I'll say the same thing, though, if Brian Robinson and his ADP were flipped, I would not be interested in taking Brian Robinson in the sixth, seventh round because I just think this could be a situation, Marcus, where it's back and forth all year. Uh, it, it feels pretty volatile and wide open right now. And this is on an offense that is probably going to be at best middle of the pack. So I, I just think you're better suited letting at, at full price, letting someone else have that headache. If you can get Antonio Gibson, what, in like the 10th round? Sure. I, sure. I think at that point he's a shot worth taking. But higher than that, I'm not really interested. It's just it's just a messy, messy backfield. Um, I, I'm, I'm just sort of in my head tracing the timeline for Antonio Gibson. Right. It, it looked for a day or two like J.D. McKissick was going to go to Buffalo and everybody was really excited. It, it seemed like that opened the door for Gibson to kind of be more of that workhorse back. Then McKissick decided he you know, didn't want to pack up a U-Haul uh, and he stayed in D.C. instead. And suddenly everybody was off Gibson. Then Washington goes out and they draft Brian Robinson. And then there was more disappointment. And then just everything that's happened throughout training camp in the preseason uh, has just done nothing but to chip away at Gibson's ADP. And, and, Look, maybe maybe some of us are wrong, right? Maybe Washington is just trying some things out. Maybe they are just sort of punishing him for ball security issues. Maybe. Or maybe this ends up as a really messy three-headed back committee in an offense that's not going to score a ton of points this year uh, and make us very, very worried. I, I look at this. So, Florian, I look at I look at this situation versus, say, Buffalo, where watching the Bills over the weekend, you know, we saw Devin Singletary go and, and he played well. Uh, then James Cook came in and he caught a couple of passes. And Zach Moss is starting to get more attention. He's starting to do more things there. That's a messy three-headed running back situation. But the Bills are going to score a lot of points this year. So that makes you feel at least you can tell yourself a story where, hey, look, Devin Singletary still has some value, right? That, that maybe Zach Moss, if he's the goal line back, has touchdown upside. James Cook's going to catch a lot of passes or what have you. You can, you can sort of tell yourself a story. I can't tell myself that same story with Washington just because – you know, just to put it mildly, Carson Wentz is not Josh Allen. I can't, I just can't, <laughs> I can't make myself believe that this three-headed situation in Washington uh, is going to be nearly as productive potentially as the three-headed situation in Buffalo. No, I, I think, it, I mean, you're hoping to get what, a share of their one potential touchdown that a running back could get each week. And if it, if it doesn't go, like if you start Robinson and Gibson scores the touchdown that week, I mean, if McKissick's getting all the catches, you could be looking at a situation where their starting running back runs for like 70 yards and or 80 yards in fantasy. That's eight points. Like that's just not getting it done. So obviously a lot of the the offense is gonna run through what happens with Carson Wentz. You know, he was the acquisition in the offseason after the Colts decided they they'd seen enough. 
Um, I went back and looked because I think the uh, the immediate thought was, okay, Wentz isn't great, but you know, hey, like it was Taylor Heineke last year. And I went back and looked, and you know, in terms of passing yards, they really weren't that far apart. Um, you know, I guess the big difference is Wentz didn't throw as many interceptions, had more had more touchdowns, didn't throw as many interceptions, but it, it just kind of got me to thinking. You know, the knee jerk was, well, you know, they went out and got Wentz to be the starter. This is sort of an upgrade. I, but when you look at it, I mean, is it a significant upgrade? Is Are we are we really like, hey, man, Terry McLaurin's got it made now that he's got Carson Wentz instead of Taylor Heineke? Did they really, really improve themselves that much at the at the quarterback position by going to get Carson Wentz? They did, but not by a whole lot, I would I would say. And, and it's sad to say for like the fourth time we get to say like, this is the best quarterback Terry McLaurin's ever played with. <laughs> He's and, the new Allen Robinson. Wentz. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is. And when, when they uh, traded for Carson Wentz, I went and compared him and Heineke's numbers. And on the uh, like face value, it was nearly identical. I, I agree with that. What, what stood out to me, though, was on passes of 20 plus air yards. Taylor Heineke really struggled doing so. Carson Wentz was middle of the pack. And, and I'm not saying Carson Wentz is a great deep ball thrower, but 12% higher completion percentage last year on those passes, much higher passer rating, five yards more per attempt than, than Taylor Heineke. So uh, I, I don't think he is, you know, even a top 20 quarterback at, at this point in his career, Carson Wentz. But I, I do think he's a better deep ball thrower, which – I mean, if we're looking for silver linings for Terry McLaurin, Terry McLaurin is a pretty good downfield receiver. So hopefully that leads to some more long passes for uh, for Terry McLaurin. But, I mean, we could be doing this again next year where we're talking about it's a new quarterback here. And, and potentially, I mean, if Wentz struggles, we could late season, if they're out of it, like Sam Howell has, has looked the part in preseason. Maybe they throw him in there. Sam Howell, he's the uh, he's the guy who only eats chicken nuggets, right? If I'm remembering correctly, uh, is that him? I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I, I I started Google. I said Sam Howell chicken and nuggets, just like <laughs> it just auto filled for me. So yeah, he's the guy who pretty much only eats. Isn't it wild the information that you your brain like retains right <laughs> oh yeah no randy he has steak with ketchup too which honestly if that's the thing then he's the next patrick mahomes <laughs> you know, if that's really a thing then, then he's going to be a you know a hall of famer at some point um yeah like i said I, i'm with you i think wince is an upgrade i don't think it's great uh and i say this as a guy who last year believed in the idea of a carson wince resurrection uh working with uh, Frank Reich there in, in Indianapolis and it just it just didn't happen and you know having conversations with people talking to you know our, our pal Matt Harmon over at Yahoo and he made the point that you know Carson Wentz seems like a he's like a decent quarterback he's an average quarterback who gets really streaky and really hot uh, and that year that, that he was on that MVP run when the, the Eagles ultimately won the Super Bowl with Wentz injured uh, he just happened to, to hit a heater like a, a season-long heater and that got him to a point of being uh, an MVP candidate. Uh, he hasn't hit anything like that since. So I think he's, you know, he's kind of a, an average quarterback. And so I guess that's better than Heineke, who's, I guess, a slightly below average quarterback, but it, it doesn't get me a very excited. nice guy. Very nice guy. We had a chance to interview him uh, at Super Bowl. Super nice guy. Uh, I, I was very impressed. I think we both were with the fact that he sort of understood, uh, you know, where he is in his career and who he is as an NFL player. Um, but it was a really good dad to talk to. Uh, and, but he's but way also smarter than us, too. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> also not a guy I'm drafting. His college courses were insane. 
insane. I mean, he was taking like next level math and like, you know, all, all kind of stuff courses. Yeah, it was crazy. Cynthia Absolutely. Freeland's the only one who can hold a conversation with him, I think. Pretty much. Yeah, I would love to see him <laughs> and Cynthia sit down and talk like next level math and analytics and that kind of stuff. That would be I, I wouldn't understand most of it, but I'd pay money to, to listen to it at least. Uh, all right. So that gets us to who is the first commander you are drafting? Who is a sleeper and who is a player to avoid? Uh, first player drafted, Terry McLaurin. Uh, I am still fine taking him as a wide receiver, too. I have him inside my top 20, but not nearly as high as I was on him a year ago when I, I thought Ryan Fitzpatrick was his savior. Um, sleeper, Jahan Dotson is someone that I've been targeting in the later rounds of my drafts. I also think if you're in an even deeper league, Curtis Samuel deserves some love. Uh, I think they have a really, really talented receiver group, which maybe they can lift Carson Wentz. I think all three of those guys can play at a high level and Outside of Terry McLaurin, you get the other two guys as complete afterthoughts. Uh, player to avoid, it's really just this running game. Like, whichever one is going later, like I said, if you could get one in, like, ninth, tenth round, Robinson, Gibson, I'm cool with that. But if you have to start paying up or even choosing which one you want, like, I'm I'm good. I'll, I'll let other people deal with that headache. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you. McLaurin's the first guy off the board, without a doubt. I I do want to get to the point where we're talking about him as like a bona fide wide receiver one, but you know, until Washington, either either Washington figures out its quarterback situation or McLaurin gets himself free to a spot with a better quarterback, uh, I think he's sort of relegated to to wide receiver two status. Um, so you had the, you had Jahan Dotson as a sleeper, which I I sort of am on board with as well. Uh, I will say for now, I will make my sleeper Brian Robinson, um, you know, sort of assuming that he's going to be the RB2 that has the potential to maybe get an upgrade in opportunity if something happens with Gibson, whether he just plays poorly or, you know, not wishing it on him. But if he gets hurt, uh, then I think that opens the door for Brian Robinson. So I will uh, just to kind of pivot a little bit. I'll, I will make him my sleeper, my player to avoid. Uh, I mean, Carson Wentz. Um, just, I, I'm not doing that. I think there's, there's too much depth at quarterback and, uh, yeah, I guess unless you're, unless you're in a two QB league or super flex league, something like that, I just, I can't really make it, uh, I can't make an argument to have Carson Wentz on the roster and certainly, uh, not to consider drafting him at any point. All right. That gets us to the end of the NFC East and the New York football giants, even though the baseball giants left, uh, New York 60 plus years ago. Doesn't matter. Uh, the football giants last year were four and thirteen. Daniel Jones, your passing leader in, you know, kind of part-time duty because of injuries. Uh, two thousand four hundred twenty-eight yards, ten touchdowns, seven interceptions. QB twenty-seven. Your rushing leaders. It was actually a tie last year. Saquon Barkley and Devonte Booker each had five hundred ninety-three yards. Each of them had two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Saquon was the RB 30 by nature of having some more receptions. Devontae Booker was the RB 33. Uh, and then we're receiving uh, Kenny Galladay was your yardage leader. 37 catches, 521 yards, no touchdowns. The wide receiver, 79 gross. Uh, Evan Ingram was your receptions leader with 46 catches, 408 yards, three receiving touchdowns. He was the tight end 23. So looking at this team, I feel like you know, we talked about Saquon, and you know, I see the ADP going up. I'm totally on board with that. I think he's going to be fine this year as long as he stays healthy. So I, I kind of pivoted to the, the pass catchers because it's a really muddy, confusing group. Kadarius Toney is a guy that people are sort of getting high on. 
understandably knowing that he is a reserve guy, right? You're not counting on Kadarius Tony to be, you know, wide receiver two for you on a week to week basis. Uh, on fantasy football calculator at last check, he was the wide receiver 44. Um, do you feel like that's right? Are you higher? Are you lower? Where are you on, on Kadarius Tony? I'm much higher. I, I, Marcus, I like to consider myself the leader of the Kadarius Tony hype train. Okay. Cause, cause like in like May, I was putting up articles and tweets and stats about this guy. And then, you know, the drum beat just got louder and louder. And I know it's a weird player to be like, I'm this guy's uh, hype train leader, but I really do believe Kadarius Tony is going to break out this year. And I have him ranked as my wide receiver 32. I, I took him in the ninth round of that draft we're in last night, Marcus. But if, and I love that you could continue to get him at a discount, but I've, if pushed, I would take him as high as the seventh round, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a lot of reasons to like Kadarius Tony. One, I know a lot of people say, oh, he did all his damage in one game. Hit over 180 yards against the number one ranked Cowboys defense. And since 2000, there's been 10 rookies that have topped 180 yards in a game. And this is a game that he got kicked out of for throwing a punch in. So he could have topped <laughs> 200. Uh, all but one of those rec- rookie receivers have gone on to have a thousand yard season. The other one is Keelan Cole. Um, and then also he averaged 2.2 yards per route ran and had a 30% target share when he was on the field last year. Other receivers who've met those thresholds were all elite last year. Devontae Adams, Antonio Brown. Uh, I- I'm forgetting the others, but they're all like high end wide receiver ones. And, and then not only so the, the stats, he passes that test. When I watch this guy play, I'm reminded of like uh, Tyreek Hill. Like there's not many people who have this kind of shiftiness and speed. So I, I really think Kadarius Tony could break out in a big way this year. And uh, if you take one thing, I guess, uh, that, that I said in this podcast, it's, it's take a shot on Kadarius Tony, especially if you get him in like the ninth, tenth round. I, I haven't been able to draft Kadarius Tony because inevitably I'm in a draft with somebody who loves him more, who will take him uh, a little bit early. I mean, I like I like his skill set. I like his attributes. And I like the fact that the Giants basically said we want to sort of uh, feature him a little bit more. We want to get him the ball in space, let him do his thing. I mean, you know, you watch some of those highlights of him just breaking people's ankles, right? You just get him out there, let him get the ball, let him work. So I, I do like him. I do like him sort of around the ninth, tenth round, but I, I inevitably end up in a draft with somebody who's willing to take him in the seventh or eighth round. So because of that, uh, I don't know that I have many, many shares of Kadarius Tony. But, um, yeah, I, I'm interested to see kind of what becomes of him. And I feel like we we love all these Giants receivers a little bit more if we knew that we could get more out of Daniel Jones. Um, I think, you know, there's still a little bit of hope for what Daniel Jones can be and whether or not Brian Dable can sort of unlock that. But I think the uncertainty there uh, kind of keeps us down on the Giants pass catchers, which gets me to Kenny Galladay. Uh, when I was in the, the Kings Classic draft last week uh, in Canton, Ohio, 14-team uh, league, Galladay came off the board late in the 12th round, and nobody really batted an eye. It wasn't like, a, oh, man, I forgot. Like, it was like, yeah, no, we knew we were there. He was there, and we just didn't draft him. Um, this is a far cry from a guy who we were pegging as a wide receiver one just a couple of years ago. He right now is wide receiver 69 on Fantasy Football Calculator. I mentioned he had uh, did not catch a touchdown last year, just 521 receiving yards on 37 catches. Have we gone too far on writing him off? Because I look at it and say, look, man, it can't really be worse for him, right? Like, 
I, I understand people's concern, but I feel like we have completely written him off and, and maybe we shouldn't, or, or am I wrong? I don't think you're wrong. I, I, I do think he's getting overlooked and I think he will outlive uh, that ADP, but it's just that I, I don't think he has anywhere close to the ceiling that we thought. He, like, I think Kadarius Tony has a higher ceiling. I think you could even make the argument about uh, Wandell Robinson having a higher ceiling. I just never thought Galladay with Daniel Jones was a good fit because he was always a downfield 50-50 type receiver, and that's just not Daniel Jones' style of play. Um, Plus, I I mean, he's of the Giants receivers. He's by far the one that could do the least amount of damage after the catch. Uh, I, I So I think he'll outlive that wide receiver 69, but Pretty much what I'm saying is it'll be on someone else's team, I think. I, I, <laughs> early in, in like best ball drafts, I was taking him because I was like, this guy's going way too late. But then once like Wando Robinson started getting more hype too, as potentially someone who could do a lot of damage after the catch out of the slot, I was like, you know what? I think that's the Giants late round receiver I'd rather take a shot on. Any worries that Wandale Robinson and Kendarius Tony are very similar, that they may kind of cannibalize each other? Definitely, because both of them are great at being, you know, getting quick open, like one move, you're open and you give the ball into space and watch what he could do after. The reason why I like Kadarius Tony is because I believe he is the better deep threat as well. I think he's also a little bit bigger, better utilized uh, in, in the red zone. So and I just think he's a better athlete all around. So Wando Robinson is really good. Definitely can take away from Kadarius Tony. Um I, I prefer Tony, but I will say you get Wanda Robinson at a huge discount if you're comparing the two. I mean, definitely you get him at a huge discount. I have, I think I've probably drafted Wandale Robinson more than I've drafted Kenny Galladay because as much as I'm saying, you know, maybe we've gone too far. We also get to a point in the draft where Galladay, I think, is a reasonable draft pick, and I, I find guys I like more. So uh, for for all of my blusters saying that maybe we should draft Kenny Galladay more, I have not I have not lived up to that in my own personal <laughs> life. So, uh, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, all right. Uh, so then first player drafted, a sleeper, and a player to avoid. Uh, Saquon Barkley, first player drafted. I, I think you could take him late first round. I prefer him in the second round, but I'm seeing him more and more go in the first. And, and I really don't have a problem with that. I have him ranked actually as my RB7 ahead of Najee Harris, which might seem like a hot take, um, but fantasy Twitter would love it. Uh, a sleeper, I think Wandell Robinson is, is the big sleeper here. I, I Kadarius Tony's gotten too much hype to, to really fit into that, I would say, but Robinson is a still get him in the later rounds. I got him, I don't even think I got him in our draft last night because I, I was full of, uh, of receivers at that point, but he went in like the 14th round, uh, which, which seems very late. A uh, player to avoid, I would say Kenny Galladay, the tight end. Like to me, though, this is another one of those offenses, Marcus, where I feel like most people are appropriately priced. Like I'm cool with taking a flyer on Daniel Jones as my second quarterback, and I've already spoke about the other receivers and stuff. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's Saquon. Obviously, is the the first guy off the board, and I'm with you. I think a second round pick on Saquon is not at all ridiculous, and I'm I'm sort of glad to see everybody's kind of come back around on him and, and what he can be. Um, I do like Wandale Robinson as a sleeper. I'll give you kind of a deep sleeper in this offense. Uh, and that's Colin Johnson, who's starting to get a lot more attention. He's starting to get some run with the starters in uh, in preseason games. And, uh, you know, I saw him a couple weeks ago get, get a, a good number of targets, too. So uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of pass catchers, most of whom are meh 
Uh, and so I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm saying if you're in a deep league, if you're late round looking for a dart throw sort of flyer, uh, you know, Colin Johnson maybe is a name to keep in your back pocket. Um, so we'll, we'll see kind of what happens with that. But uh, he's he's a guy that you sort of want to know. Uh, in terms of of players to avoid, it is it's any it's pretty much any wide receiver that's not Tony or Robinson or I guess you know I guess Colin Johnson in the right situation. So I mean you know that's that would be Kenny Galladay, that would be Darius Slayton. I know Sterling Shepard is still sort of working his way back from injury, and I don't know what his his situation is going to be once we get to the regular season. But there's nothing there uh, in terms of their wide receivers that really, really gets me excited. So um, I, I I would just tend to stay away mostly from that position group outside from the couple of guys that we really uh, talked about here in the last few minutes. Um, there it is. That's our uh, that's our, our look at the NFC East. Yeah, speaking of the New York Giants, um, did you watch did you watch the House of the Dragon? Uh, on Sunday night <laughs> good good transition there uh, I I did I enjoyed it yeah uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see you know it, it we're sort of off and running with the way the story started uh, obviously it, you know the spinoff the prequel to Game of Thrones uh, it 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 kind of has that feel to it I'd mention that because George R.R. R. Martin is a a noted Giants fan um, so we'll see when and what comes uh oh so according to randy they said next week the show will have a theme so i'm curious what that theme uh is going to like, be like a theme song or oh no i think it's, oh, oh all right all right so we'll, we'll see like yesterday it just went straight into the episode oh yeah yeah so they started they had like the logo and then they started the episode although the the song they played was very game of thrones ish and i was kind of like i to me that was sort of like you know when fox was using the nfl on fox music for baseball and i'm like that's not right these are two different <laughs> things um so that's kind of how i felt about about house of the dragon using the, the game of thrones theme song they, but uh yeah they got all the the gore that game of thrones had they were like first episode here you go yep all the gore uh and you know the, you got to see a lot of the old names right the you know house stark and and the baratheons like all the names that we know from game of thrones uh you know they, they gave you a taste of that to just remind you of like you know, kind of what world you're in so uh, gonna be interesting, and like you know, I think with Better Call Saul out of our lives, we needed a new prequel series. So here we go, just right on time. <laughs> it's great. Uh, oh yeah, Randy pointed out that we have to rank our football themes. We're gonna do a ranking of those since the Amazon one came out, um, which is kind of fire. So we'll have to we'll have to do a, a show or a segment where we rank uh, the themes, <laughs> the, the football themes for uh, for all the networks. Um, I don't know if the, NFL Network doesn't really have one. But if so, if so, I would rank it number one because <laughs> I love my job. So there. I, I will say, though, I mean, this isn't a hot take, really. Football has by far the best theme music of any sport. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like, I mean, it's the one, you know, we're pre, but it's the one where like pregame shows are like a big deal, like national pregame shows, are like a really huge deal. Like with baseball, as much as I love it, like, you know, you don't tune into a baseball pregame show. You're like, let's just get the first pitch. And, you know, um, I guess basketball, you kind of have them, but the NBA not, on NBC one. I think yeah, it ra- was round ball rock. Yeah. The, the NBC round ball rock song written by John Tesh. That that's the one that's, you know, hands down the classic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, all right. I feel like that's a good way to, to wrap this one up. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL fantasy football podcast. We will have the uh, NFC South, as I mentioned for you coming up on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay happy, safe and healthy, do good and live well. Take care of yourselves and the people around you, and we will talk to you on Wednesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 